everyone. You're listening to the podcast series Borderlines of the Mind, brought to you by Cowie, the Canadian Advisory for Women Immigrants. I am Medjabeen, and joining me is Anna. Hi, everyone. So Cowie is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the mission of empowering women immigrants in all aspects of life including healthcare, employment, social networking, and educational opportunities. This series centers on the broad theme of raising awareness about the various underrated struggles women face in society. This episode, Diversity and Inclusion, will tackle the topic of immigrant culture in Canada's most multicultural cities. Anna, I'm so excited to be having this conversation today. I feel like it's so needed and so important, you know, just talking about the immigrant culture in Canada and you know, our experiences growing up in multicultural cities, right? Yes, I completely agree. I think that there aren't enough outlets for people to really share their stories Mm -hmm. um, in Canada compared to maybe the United States. So I think it's really important for us to um, discuss it, right? Especially since we're from such multicultural cities. Um, Yeah, for sure. And especially because I feel like Canada has this uh, reputation of, you know, um, just being kind of the safe haven. And as you know, proud as I am to be from here. I feel like there's so much work that's left to be done. And a lot of that includes issues with um, diversity and inclusion. For example, I was born in Toronto, raised in Markham, which is like suburban GTA area. Um, And my childhood was very diverse. And I was extremely grateful for that. But it wasn't until like I moved out for university. And that's kind of where, you know, I started to realize the lack of diversity within our institutions. There's such a need for diversity, but also inclusion. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that actually because I grew up in Montreal, mm-hmm. um, and it was like kind of the opposite where I grew up like briefly in Montreal and mm-hmm. it was very diverse. But then when I went to yeah. the suburbs, it was very white. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, yeah. and only when I went back to like CJEP University that people like were diverse again. So. It was a a weird, like, adaptation thing. Yeah, how was that? How was that experience? Um, I think, like, because, so I I was in Montreal, and then I went to Chateauguay, which is a a small suburb, like, 30-minute drive away. Okay. Um, And so the suburb was just, like, developing, and, well, not developing, but, like, my side of where I was living. Mm -hmm. And so it was mostly white people. There weren't a lot of immigrants. Um... And it was a very awkward experience. Like it was just me and this Ukrainian kid and everyone thought we were siblings because we were all the only immigrants. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I remember like I spoke um, because I, I live in Quebec, right? Which is a French province. Yeah. Um, I spoke like French, like um, like more like from France rather than Quebecois. And so people found that weird because- in- Wow, I didn't realize there was, you know, and I think that's just me growing up in Toronto. Yeah, no, it was like a really weird, like, because Quebecois is like, a, uh, it has a certain accent and a certain dialect. Mm, okay. So I would use like different words and like the kids weren't used to it. It was really funny. Did you um, feel like growing up that there were resources that you could go to or just even have a conversation with someone? Because I feel like, especially at that age, that's a lot to handle. Um, honestly, I don't think I realized I needed them. Mm. I was like 10 when I moved. So I became friends with one other girl who was also from, because I'm, I'm Romanian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was from uh, Moldova, which is like a country right next to Romania. Okay. And we became friends kind of, I guess, just because we had the same background, but we never really talked about it. 
I mean, you don't really know what to do at that age, right? You're just like, yeah. whatever, moving on. Because our experiences were so different, even though we were very close to each other, right? Like not too far in terms of geographically speaking, two distinctive experiences, but also very, very connected in a way. I feel like that's why diversity and inclusion is more than just policies and, you know, just headcounts in the academic world or in like the professional world, although they're both interconnected, but they're very distinctive. Diversity, like I would say, is representation and mm-hmm. inclusion is about how well the contributions and perspectives of different groups of people are valued and also integrated within the environment, right? Which is so important because you might have the diversity aspect where you have different genders, races, nationalities, and sexual orientations, and people with different identities that are present in a specific environment. But the only perspectives that are being valued or, you know, carry any influence or authority are not from those specific groups. They may be just from like one specific group, right? Yeah, I I completely agree. But I think that also inclusion helps when you have someone to guide you. And I think we talked about this last time. Mm to the two of us where it's like because you were born here right yeah and I think that that definitely changed um maybe I don't know what do you think like our perspective on inclusion and how we felt included in certain spaces um, oh yeah for sure I feel like um it did I remember us speaking about it last time and I feel like it gave me a lot more of um I, I don't want to say like leverage but I was welcomed much more in certain environments than, you know, some other ones. Like uh, I identify as, you know, as a young Muslim woman and, you know, being visibly Muslim. So I wear the hijab. I usually will face the instant confusion like, oh, you're born here. right? And and you see the change in just tone and conduct when it comes to having that conversation with certain people. But also, I think the fact that I was I'm second generation. So. Mm-hmm. from my mom's side and first generation from a dad's side. So I had a very unique experience where my mom had a very tough experience, you know, growing up in Canada because she didn't grow up in a very diverse environment. And so she faced a lot of racism and throughout high school. And so she kind of was a force that really made sure that I had a much more safer experience growing up. And so that was like a tool that I was able to lean on, which a lot of kids don't. Have, right yeah exactly and I think I, I think you were really lucky in that respect mm-hmm. where like your mom had carried that burden right whereas like for me for example I moved here with my parents when I was a child and yeah we were kind of going through it at the same time at different levels right mm-hmm. so my parents learning French and English I, me learning French and English um, yeah. and can you just talk about a bit about your experience like was there ever a moment where your mom like sat you down and talked about something specific or was it just like throughout you growing up, like her giving you pointers or how did that work really? Yeah, I think it was, um, it was actually in elementary school when I had this experience where I was being bullied really badly and it, it got to a point where she actually um, dealt with it in a way that a lot of like, for example, my friend's parents um, didn't deal with it. So she went to, the teachers she went to school board you know she joined like the parents anti-bullying club at my school and got heavily involved right and 
for me, that was normalized. But I remember when I was speaking to some of my other friends, they're like, my parents, they usually, it's not that they don't want to do that. It's just they don't realize they have those resources available and they may not have the same capacity to get involved in, right? Maybe it's a language barrier or understanding and, you know, like their backgrounds, if the cultural belief is that, you know, teachers know what's best or they'll deal with it and Mm -hmm just like this cultural uh, barrier or even just the intergenerational culture shock, right? And I had a very privileged way of like growing up. So I feel like that awareness came with me at an early age. I know that your experience, I imagine, is much more different. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think Mm -hmm. um, I was going to bring it up, like, about the whole teacher thing and the culture shock. I think like, and I don't know if it's in most immigrant, uh, like other countries than yeah. the Western countries, but I know that like teacher, being a teacher is a really respected profession and yep. parents rarely intervene just because it's always been where like the teacher knows best. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think you have a huge point on that where it's like some people are just, they don't know that they can, right? That it's an option to, yeah. uh, to sure. like, stand up for their child. I think especially like I mean at least for me when it was like mm-hmm. my mom was one of the only immigrant yeah. uh, people there it must have been really intimidating because I was actually in a similar situation where I wasn't like heavily bullied I don't know what your situation was but mm-hmm. people were making fun of me for my accent yeah. um, my mom intervened and she was like um, you know she told the teacher but she didn't get involved as as heavily as your mom did but like she, I think it took a lot of courage from her to do that. Oh, right? Yeah for sure and I think just her being able to enter that space um, Mm -hmm. takes, you know, a level of courage. And I also want to say, like, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I think that's so brave of you and courageous for you to come out and even just talk about it because anyone who's listened to this went through something similar. It creates that open space for us to bring our um, experiences together. And it really just helps kind of, you know, drive that conversation. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, and same for you. Thank you for speaking out about your experience. Like, I think... For me, being vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, really helped me like create certain links with other immigrant people and kind of like to the immigrant community yeah. as a whole, because I find that parents have a difficulty like discussing their issues or their problems mm-hmm. when they came here. And I think that when people like our age or their children like start opening up, I think it helps the dialogue a lot better. I agree 100%. As you mentioned, inter- intergenerational culture shock. Mm-hmm. And I kind of yeah. wanted to ask you, like, because I read this article and I really resonated with it. It was like how children of immigrants um, often live one reality at home mm-hmm. and then have to adapt at school. Yeah. Um, I know you did mention that it was very diverse when you grew up. So maybe you don't resonate with it as much. But I feel like a lot of people have to compromise their values sometimes or just feel stuck between the two like kind of worlds I didn't feel it until I went to university which is crazy what I thought was normalized you know being diverse so it became like me being in a university class with 500 students and being the only person of color and I was like Mm -hmm. oh and so like I remember the teacher would always remember who I was because I was the only one in the hijab and only you know woman of color in the room and so I was like oh I better show up to every class then because the teacher (laughs) will know when I'm missing right and so it it was such an interesting experience and that's why like I've been asking you about your experience you know because you experienced it as a kid well I think I did have the privilege of being white Mm -hmm. as well and like Mm, okay 
maybe the part of like feeling alienated for you might have been a lot more like uh, a deeper contrast maybe mm. because you could like visibly feel like the difference whereas for me it was a lot more subtle like you know um like passive comments mm. and like a subtle type of alienation yeah. I think and um I remember specifically like there, there's these like really weird superstitions in Romania where it's oh, like yeah. uh, for example like you're like um we're not supposed to like go to the beach when it's like in April because you'll get sick oh, or something like okay. that okay okay like my friends wanted to go like swim in a lake and my parents were like no you can't go and it was like these arguments that seem mm. so, so dumb right but like it's a true thing because like in Romania like you couldn't just go to the doctor but here you can yeah. It's, it's yeah, just... yeah I definitely see that especially with my grandma but it's like <laughs> you know it's it's what you're saying like there's just these cultural beliefs that come from back home and then as a kid growing up you're being told this stuff and you're like and then you start to question it but you're just like how do I navigate through this right because there's like two different worlds that you're trying to balance in yeah and especially like um I think when my parents when I had an issue in class for example my parents would say like you can't back talk to a teacher which obviously like I wouldn't be disrespectful but you know here it's a lot more um acceptable if like so a teacher mm -hmm. did something wrong to like call it out to you know talk about it yeah um, I remember a teacher specifically saying some really discriminatory things when I was a kid and I I like thought it was weird and I didn't really know what to put to do and my parents didn't know either because it's like you don't know what yeah. to do in that situation you know how would you now like looking back be the best way to go about it um or honestly I would say try to gravitate towards other immigrant children because I mean if there are some obviously but I think I I'm not sure if it was like conscious but I think I really tried to like stay away from the immigrant community in high school oh really yeah it was I don't know if maybe like I consciously wanted to stay away from them or like it was yeah. just happened for me to be friends with like people from Quebec mm -hmm. but why did you feel like you were doing that in a way I don't know I think maybe because the school treated them differently mm. right yeah. like yeah there was obviously like the very racist stereotypes of like um that they're they don't perform as well and that mm -hmm. they um, bother class and whatever and you know this was enforced by the professors themselves wow so yeah. it, it was a very like touchy subject where like what do you do in that situation right I think it was also just kind of a want and a need to fit in yeah like I think that whether you like it or not like when you're a kid yeah. you just want people to like you like no matter what yeah and yeah I think that you know that goes away as you grow of course. Older, but yeah you know you're at that age you have 10 different things in your head right you're growing up you have these social pressures of being a certain way doing things a certain way and you know I feel like as you grow older those social pressures increase but at the same time you're able to kind of learn how to deal with them in certain ways mm -hmm. and I think that comes with experience yeah yeah for sure I was just gonna ask like about in high school because I know that for example for parties mm -hmm. like how was your experience because for me it was a very big like argument every time I had to go out yeah um, see that was the, for me it was so interesting because I had a lot of friends who were first generation um mm -hmm. it was 
and my mom knew that experience like being first generation so a lot of the parties that I had like in high school were hosted at my house oh wow yeah and so and it was crazy because I had both like female and guy friends there yeah I think a big one that you hit is like uh men and women friendships and you know I think that's something that culturally is like not accepted or kind of frowned upon like um even now like with my guy friends it's a struggle (laughs) like yeah yeah for sure like I've had this conversation but I've never really like with my personal friends and my personal Mm -hmm. networks but I feel like it's something's just people deem so simple but it's such a huge topic within the immigrant culture and immigrant Mm -hmm. communities that I feel like I don't usually hear about yeah and you know, it also creates, I mean, as, as growing up as a girl, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for me, it created a lot of suspicion around guys who just wanted to be mm-hmm. my friend. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't understand why, like, some guys just wanted to be my friend because I thought that, you know, inherently, like, if a guy mm-hmm. wanted to talk to you, he was interested in you. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very awkward thing to, like, grow out of and realize that, like, that's not a real thing, right? Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, especially for young females, I feel like we should work even harder to make them more confident in who they are. And I'm going to start going into this whole tangent about patriarchy, but (laughs) I just feel like it's so important just to reassure and reinforce those ideas that women can be, or just girls can be who they are and, you know, be friends with whoever they want to be. I feel like this is also something that I didn't get the chance to talk about with my friend group Mm -hmm. when I was in high school, because no one I don't think myself I realized what was happening in my head and I don't think they realized either with like my whole like thing with guy friends because mm-hmm. they would like freely be friends with guys and I just didn't understand it and I had like a it was like this weird mental block right yeah I feel like that's why the immigrant experience is so unique mm-hmm. um, in the way that it's literally you're trying to figure out two different worlds and you're trying to live in a way that harmonizes both because I did have aspects you know growing up where I was like okay so I, I'm being told I'm supposed to live this way but I'm being told something else through school or through society mm-hmm. through you know my community so it's like where do I fit in exactly it's very alienating Mm-hmm. and you know I read this the same article that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. um mentioned that like it's really important to have immigrant communities to like go see and relate to because it helps bridge the old with the new mm. and I thought that was a really interesting perspective because I mean myself I was kind of like away from Montreal right mm. but there was still like a lot of immigrant children that I could have like related to at that point and I think that would be my biggest advice is like to not be afraid of like reaching out to people and tr- like becoming friends with people that you can actually relate to if you feel kind of alienated and yeah, for sure. how you feel. And I feel like we have such overlapping um, experiences that are so similar, but also mm-hmm. so different, which makes it unique. And I think it's really funny sometimes when, uh, I mean, I've had discussions with other um, of my friends that are immigrants, how many things we have in common and I keep going back to it, but diversity inclusion is so important in every aspect of society, right? I think also like allyship, like Mm -hmm. for me, like 
I, I mean, I was too young to like, know to speak up, but I did have a professor um, at my high school that did say something about like something racist about hijabi women. No, oh, wow. I remember like, like wanting to say something, but it's like, yeah. when was I, sh- did I know if anyone was going to back me up? And it was like things like this. Mm. And actually, like, I wanted to talk about something like I grew up, like I said, in Montreal and the school that I was at was only immigrant children. I think that like being exposed to that really like helps you as a child open up your your horizons, I guess, because I remember like most of my friends were like um, from Muslim families because like they did Ramadan and I had like no idea what that was. <laughs> like what is that? <laughs> oh, it was so awkward. Like I was the only one who had to do and I was like one of the the people who were like um, looking after the children for lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he came up to me and he just explained to me because I was like very confused and He's like where's everybody else's food <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you being exposed to different cultures religions growing up like really shaped your experience as you grew older yeah honestly mm-hmm. it's because I've had this these talks with like um people who are white yeah and like I'm obviously everyone has like inherent like um, internalized racism because of like the society yep. that we are in but I do think that it helps like counter it at a certain extent because I really don't like as I grew up I had such an open mind to it I think just because as children like everyone was just like educating me on it rather mm-hmm. than like alienating me from it like I just asked questions about like the yeah. headscarf and they just told me well yeah part of my experience like especially during my post-grad a lot of my friends before I even got to know them on a deeper level they came from like towns and cities in Canada where they've never encountered people that were Muslim or from a certain background and so that's why I feel like having that conversation was so constructive but um, like you mentioned allyship has been so helpful to me right just being able to come to a space that can be safe especially when you're felt like you're not you you don't belong because you don't you look a different way or you look different from what's normalized yeah and I think uh, an important conversation about that I thank you for sharing that first of all it's just like I feel like now it's a lot more about microaggressions and racism rather than like straight up in your face like for example I studied sociology for a brief mm. time and it was very like kind of like aggressive on and rough to like read all these stats about immigrant communities Mm -hmm. and what they grow through and like um how they're statistically more likely to be like in poverty yeah it's rough like oh yeah definitely like and it's and i feel like when i read that it just kind of echoes that you know when they get here are we really you know, taking measures that ensure that, you know, there are resources that are available for them to access, especially when they need to access them, right? And I think that's a conversation that, you know, Canadians really need to have. Yeah, and also I think coming back to like the community itself is like, it's important to have resources that are made by immigrants. Mm -hmm. For example, I don't know how it worked for your parents, for example, but for us, there's like this whole like informal structure where like Romanians, know a friend who knows a friend (laughs) who can like work up an apartment for you in Canada for like a month and you know you you don't arrive with like without a roof over your head um and these like informal links 
help you survive and help you adapt. Whereas, and I don't think it should be the responsibility of immigrants. I think it should be like the state or like, you know, like, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, it's funny you say that because like I think about my dad and just his like social life and my mom's social life. And it's very similar. I feel like there's this community that they built for themselves, right? Because they're trying to find that safe space where, you know, they can exist without having to feel like they don't belong or that they're alienated. There should be a bit more structural changes in regards to building community because that's really, I think, the crucial aspect of it. Yeah, it's just that at one point, like to relate to people, you need to have a certain type of like something in common. Yeah. And for example, all of my parents' friends are Romanian because Mm -hmm. that's just how you are able to create links. Right. And so I think that um, there should be more like uh, resources that bridge that whole suburb and city divide that I experienced at least. In Montreal, it's really like a Mm -hmm. rough for people to move to the suburbs I feel like in Toronto it's like it's crazy because it's one of the most diverse cities in the world but there is a lack of diversity within our institutions Mm -hmm. and I think that highlights a significant issue right in just the way we do things yeah and I don't want to get too political either but you know just in Quebec the prime minister said that there's no systemic racism and Mm. You know, I think either there's a lack of education of like what systemic racism is, or it's like knowingly erasing people's struggles, right? Yeah. And the realities of Montreal. And, you know, I think maybe like what's worse is that everyone's just staying in Montreal because that's where the communities is, like the communities are. Mm. When you go outside, it's like a bit, a bit harder. And I think that's why, it's, you know, as as we've been talking about, the fact that diversity comes in so many forms, whether it's gender, race, culture, these are all aspects that contribute to an individual's unique experience of how they, you know, perceive the world and how they experience it. And sometimes we just need to kind of take a step back and examine the presence of diversity in our own lives. How diverse is our school, neighborhood, places of work, group of friends, diversity something we should strive for in all aspects of our life and I feel like this is a conversation that really needs to happen you know starting from our kitchen tables to conversations with our friends um like I don't want to bash my high school too much you know for I'm not going to say the name but uh I feel like for a certain high school who like did prone diversity there was kind of a lack of accountability and I'm sure I'm not the only school like I'm sure like a lot of schools um, in Canada like lack accountability on the part of teachers yeah. having opinions that shouldn't be shared in the classroom mm. um, shouldn't like sway people's opinions afterwards. Mm. I think you highlighted you know a great point and um, I feel like that's one of the reasons why it's so important to just have you know that space to speak and not just to speak but be able to speak with a different view. It, it's been a privilege just speaking about this. Yeah, and I'm so happy I ha- I got to do it with you because such different backgrounds, but I feel like we really um, have things in common. And mm-hmm. I think people don't realize that as much, right? Yeah, that we're much more similar than we are different. And you know, in diversity is strength. 